Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Matthews Archery, elevating the archery experience. I've been shooting the Phase 4 33 this fall, and that thing has been shooting lights out for me. And so much, I got my first out-of-state buck with the Phase 4, and I got to go to Kansas this year, drew a tag, and got it done on opening day with a beautiful, giant, velvet eight-point with my good friend Cody Butler, and we got it done with the Phase 4, and I can't say enough good things about this bow. I love the deadly accuracy of the bow, the deadly quietness of the bow, and the dead vibration in your hand when you shoot this thing. So if you're interested in learning more about the Phase 4 33, as well as the other bows in Matthew's lineup and accessories, head to matthewsinc.com. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Yamaha Outdoors and their proven lineup of ATVs, side-by-sides, and off-road vehicles. The Hunt Stand team has got the Wolverine RMAX 4 1000 XTR at our side this fall, and we are going to be putting this thing to significant use from the Deerwoods all the way up to the Elk Mountains. If you're interested in learning more about Yamaha, head to yamahamotorsports.com slash side-by-side so you can check out that Wolverine RMAX 4 1000. The podcast is also brought to you by 10 Point Crossbows, the leader in crossbow technology for over 25 years. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Moose Utility Division, your brand for all seasons. And finally, the Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Savage Firearms. Better comes standard. Are you ready to get this thing rolling then? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Jace. Well, man, welcome back to the Hunt Stand Podcast. I know last time we had you on here, we were talking backcountry turkey hunting. And so we're on a little bit different topic this time, but welcome back, brother. 
Oh man, thank you guys so much for having me, man. I love I love the podcast and I always love just sitting down talking hunting and uh seeing where seeing where we're going to go today. No, man, it, that's that's what podcasts are all about too is uh obviously talk about hunting, but you know, if we go down some rabbit holes, ain't nothing wrong with that, dude. No, I think that's what makes him great. Like I hate listening to ones that sound like super scripted. Oh, you know, yeah. it's almost like I this guy says this, this guy's supposed to say that. And I like him when they can just kind of take off and go anywhere. So um yeah, I appreciate you having me on very much. No problem, dude. Well, man, I want to talk about the heck of a fall that you've had this year. I mean, I've been following you on Instagram and you know we'll We'll get into the animals in a little bit, but to preface it, um, you've killed a lot of animals, but early on in the summer, you had, your daughter got sick. Now, I'm not entirely too sure of the details of it. Kind of tell the listeners, you know, like, uh, what, 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 what did she go through? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, she's still going through it and it's, it's going to be. It's going to be a lifetime battle for her. Um, it is a non-curable um, deal, but like, um, so just just to kind of take you through it um, during track season, she's a very good track athlete, mm-hmm. and during track season, she runs a four hundred, and she she just kept complaining of hip pain um, on her right side. She would just, you know, we noticed her limping after races. Uh, she seemed to be in quite a little bit of pain at home. And so my wife's, my wife's a a nurse. Um, and she was like, let's, let's, let's get an x-ray, just, you know, get it checked out, make sure everything's okay. So they do an x-ray and we get the results back. And they said that there's a, 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 they called it a stress fracture in in the hip itself, which, you know, stress fracture is not a huge, huge ordeal. Um, so, you know, she, she opted to keep running, which I was all in favor of. I was like, man, I love that. Um, she's, she's a tough, gritty little thing. And she was like, uh, I want to keep running. She had qualified for state and she was going to run at the state track meet. And so, you know, um, it, building up to that state track meet, it was like really could tell it was getting painful for her, um, after her race in that particular, um, in, in, in that run, she, she just literally collapsed. I mean, it was one of those deals where she was running and she crossed the finish line. And she just kind of collapsed and we we're like, oh my gosh. And, you know, they've got people out there, they help her, they get her up um, and they, they kind of, they kind of get her off to the side and everything. We go down there and talk to her. She's like, no, it just hurts really, really bad. And, you know, we're like, okay, well, track season's over and, uh, you know, we'll have plenty of time to rest. Well, it just progressively kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So naturally we went back, they did an MRI. They said, Hey, the, the MRI looks fine. We don't see anything structurally. Everything looks good. The stress fracture seems to have healed. Um, seems like things are, are, are fine. I'm not sure where or why she would be having this pain. No. Well, then on July 8th, it was my son's birthday and, and we were on a camping trip and she woke up and she, we were in, we were in our camper and she, she, she was up all night, kind of just really writhing in pain. And, um, she couldn't walk. Um, she, she lost feeling in her right leg. She couldn't walk. Um, and it was really, really scary. So like we got her home, thought, okay, we'll give it a few days and see. And it just got worse and worse. So my wife took her to children's hospital in Colorado Springs. Um, they did some tests and they decided to keep her and we were there for nine days, um, at children's, um, wow. in Colorado Springs. 
And what they finally diagnosed it as, it's called CRPS, which is chronic regional pain syndrome. And it's a nerve disorder is basically what it is. And the sad thing about it is they don't know a ton about it. They don't know that usually stems off an injury that has healed, but the brain and the nerves in that, the brain is not communicating with the nerves in that area. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Good. Brain's no longer communicating with the nerves in that area. So it's just saying pain, pain, <laughs> pain, pain, pain. pain. And uh, that's just, it's just been an ongoing, very long process. She's been back to Children's Hospital in Denver after the Springs trip. Um, she's had ketamine infusions, which seems to be the only thing. And I don't know if you know anybody knows anything about ketamine, but it's a very powerful uh, sedative. Um, it's not like an opioid or anything like that, but it's, it's the idea behind it is to get the brain and the nerves to kind of disconnect. And then hopefully everything will come back together. But she's, she's, she's just been a trooper through this. Like, um, you know, you take a 16 year old girl who's very athletic, just got her license, um, you know, and just basically say you're wheelchair bound, um, for right now. And so what we've gone through is from wheelchair bound to a walker to now a cane. And she can actually like yesterday, her and I went to the gym and like, she took steps on her own. She did the spin bike. So they do expect her to make a full recovery, but this will never go away. She'll always deal with um, some level of this and it can flare up. It can go, but we're still like, it's been three months, but they say like, we're still like in the acute phase of it where she's just, she's just in constant pain, which is very hard for, mm -hmm. for any parent to watch their child just be in pain, you know? So with all that going on and with the doctor's appointments, like we have to drive, you know, we kind of live out in the sticks. So, you know, we have to drive several times a week to Colorado Springs, which is a two hour drive. And it's usually twice a week, once for physical therapy. Uh, you know, we see every doctor under the sun, that sort of thing. And so I really had kind of had to restructure how I was going to think about my fall, uh, my fall hunting, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, that, that is how our family makes a living and it make, you know, that's my job. And so my wife and I had to sit down and look at, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this work? But it was a super interesting challenge. And, uh, but she's, she's just like, she's just tough as nails, man. She's doing really well now. I mean, she's got a long way to go, but she's, she's, she's turning the corner. I think, man, how, uh, I'm, I'm glad she's turning the corner and things are on the up and up, but as a, as a, um, past college track and field athlete and college track and field coach, I can only imagine just what is going through her head now, like not being able to compete, prepare, yeah. prepare for her spring. I mean, how, yeah. how has she been handling that right now? Has she been positive? Has it been tough on her? <laughs> I, I think she's been more positive than my wife and I, you know, cause it is exhausting. You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's hard on the whole family to a degree. And, um, but she handles it like she's handled it with a lot of grace. She's handled it with like just a ton of strength and like she ebbs and flows, of course, like she has days where it's just like, this sucks and I'm over it. And, you know, but like her mindset right now is like, especially after we went to the gym yesterday, yesterday was her first day in the gym, um, she's been doing PT, which this guy we have in Springs is remarkable. He's, he's a stud um, and he's helped so much, but like yesterday was kind of a turning point where she saw like, so she's, she's, she's talking about like running track this spring. Like that's in her mind. She's like, you know, volleyball was out, of course, basketball's yeah. out, but like there, even the doctors are like, you know, it, it, it's what you can handle. 
Because structurally, there's nothing wrong. And I think that's what makes this such a frustrating condition. Mm -hmm. Structurally, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing broken. There's nothing torn. There's nothing pulled. There's nothing, anything. It's it's a nerve disorder. And so, yeah. Um, but like she, she has, she has, you know, she's not taking it lying down, um, which I, I love. I love that. I love that attitude. But um, I, I think it's 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 definitely going to be a, a, a you know it's it's been baby steps yeah. to this point. You know where little wins, little victories, and then you know you have a setback, and then you have a win, and then and I think it's just kind of an emotional roller coaster for her. I man, I can't even imagine. I know. Uh, I I went through my fair share of injuries, and you know just the short little time that I was out. Uh, just ate at me so the fact that she's missed out on volleyball and then you know she in her mind she's telling herself that she's gonna do it she's gonna do track it's it's uh that's a tough thing it's it's not easy it is it is well and it on top of that I mean what was it last it was in the spring or it, it wasn't too long ago you were dealing with some back issues yourself were you not yeah still still dealing with those still dealing still with it What's that? I said you're still dealing with it. Oh gosh, yes, still it's still I'm still in it. I need to just go in and get it fixed, but I'm I'm one of those guys that I'm trying to figure out like okay, when can I go get it fixed and not interrupt, you know, so many different things that we have going on and then like right now too, I just definitely don't want any of the focus to be on me. Um but yeah, I just um you know, I I finished I finished my last 100-mile marathon uh last june or not not this not this i guess it would be yeah yeah it'd be be last june um and uh after that man it was just um it it was a like i just started like i have this horrible horrible pain in my lower back and i never have had back issues in my life and i've run 400 mile ultras i've run 50s i've run marathons and it was one of those deals where it's just like you know your body so well you know and especially when you're when you're in tune with everything like that and you're training and you're pushing yourself to, to such a high level, when something's not right, you know, you, you know, all about this being, being a track athlete, being an athlete, you, your body's telling you like, Hey, this time, this isn't something you're going to run through. This isn't something you're going to stretch out. Something's wrong. And so, you know, I, I ended up having to get an MRI myself and it was, you know, I got herniation at L4, L5, S1 compression on the sciatic nerve, you know, that whole nine yards. So, um, you know, I, I still, still stuff I deal with every day, but the stretching for me has been huge. Like I've, I've developed this stretching program. Well, I shouldn't say I developed a good buddy of mine, um, actually came over to the house and he was like, man, you need to start stretching more. You need to do these stretches 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And that's helped me really get, get by, um, and, and, and be able to maintain and, and, you know, pack elk on my back and go on, you know, I've, I've gone on a run now up to 16 miles and stuff like that. So it's still, it's still a, a nagging problem, but it's, I think it's just like anything else, right? Like you, you have to find ways to, you can, you can, you can just say, well, this sucks and I'm, I'm hurt and I'm injured and I'm not going to do anything about it. And it's terrible. Or you can be super proactive. And I think the more proactive you are, you know, the more things that you can find that you can, you know, get that to not necessarily heal or go away, but make it tolerable to where you can still perform at a level that you expect of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is for sure, man. And speaking of putting back on your elk or putting elk on your back, (laughs) uh, you killed three this fall. 
I did, man. I, 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 I killed three bulls this fall and I never in a million years would have imagined that I would have killed three bulls in a fall, let alone how I killed them and where I killed them. And, and, and that sort of thing, because like I said, we just, we had to make it such a huge adjustment. Like this year it was, it was, you know, normally, you know, I have my bow tag and, um, you know, I didn't have anything, you know, major draw this year for, for, for elk in, on the archery spectrum side of things. But, uh, you know, I got my general archery tag, which is great in Colorado. You know, you have access to over half of the state's GMUs just on an OTC tag, but you can go buy at Walmart. Yeah. And, you know, um, so, but that was just kind of out of the, out of the, you know, kind of out of the realm of possibility because that the spots that I have for that are, you know, several hours away, you know, I disconnect for 10 days at a time, you know, it's, it's a 10 day venture, um, on public land, grinding it out. And especially on these general OTC tags. And that, that just wasn't something that I was willing, I didn't want to be that far from my wife. I didn't want to definitely be that far from my daughter or my kids during this time, because, we learn that things can go south overnight and boom, she's got to go back to the hospital or boom, she's got to go see this doctor. And then now, you know, we're staring down the pipe of like, okay, well this week, you know, Amy has to work and you got to take her to Colorado Springs on this day. And then the next week you got to take her to, you know, et cetera, et cetera here. And so it was one of those things where we had to sit down and go, okay, that's, that's off the table. That's not going to work this year. So how are we going to do it? And, and, and that, that was what made this honestly is probably, the funnest elk season I've ever had in my life. And it just, you know, man, by the grace of God, it ended up being the most successful elk season I've ever had in my life. I would say so, man. Cause, uh, I don't think you see a whole lot of people shooting, uh, that many elk in one state. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's not only did you do that, uh, you've got two pronghorn under the belt this fall as well. Correct. Uh, I, I took one and then my son, yeah, my, I, I killed one myself, but then my, my son Hunter, he's 18. He killed, he killed, um, I think that's his fifth or sixth pronghorn. And wow. he's just, that kid kills big pronghorn, man. He's like, he, he got spoiled. He's still, you know, he killed an 85 incher here, which is still the biggest pronghorn I've seen in our neck of the woods wow. ever in my life. Um, he said he saw one bigger this year while he was out scouting. I never saw it. But it he, the one he killed is just, just a monster, monster gagger of a buck slob. And so, but yeah, he killed another good one. And then um, I had, you know, cool thing in Colorado where I live is, you know, you can, you can bow hunt antelope here every year on an mm -hmm. OTC tag archery, and then you can still bank your points. So I had, I had bow hunted pronghorn on OTC tags for 23 years. So I had 23 years of preference points built up. In, in Colorado for pronghorn. It's like, who has that? So this year I was just like, you know what, this would be a good year to cash those, to cash those points in. Um, I, I, I decided on a unit. Um, it, it's actually a mountain unit. Uh, oddly enough, I, I shot that pronghorn at 10,900 feet in elevation. We were what? watching elk. We saw a moose. Yeah. It's like one of the only places you can do that. Um, this, this cluster of units up there. And it was like, it was just so, so, so cool. Cause pronghorn have my heart. Like they always have. And, um, and just to go up there and do it with, uh, with just, a, just some of my very best friends and, um, see that country, see antelope in that country and just have a, a successful hunt and kill a, kill a buck that I've, you know, kind of a dream buck for me. Um, it was, it was special, man. It really, really was. It just kind of capped off that September, October timeframe, you know, as I transitioned into whitetails here. 
um, like September and October were just like, it was, it was just like magic, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it, I could definitely tell on socials, man. And that's where, uh, I wanted to kind of pick your brain too on, you know, being a non-resident to Colorado, like, a, you know, being a Texas guy, like mm-hmm. how did you get those three tags? Cause I know there's a tags, there's B tags, there's all these different types of, uh, configurations of way that their tag system works. So I was just kind of curious, like, you know, if we got a listener out there that, you know, they may find themselves in a similar situation or, you know, just kind of interested to, to hear how you did it. Yeah. Um, you know, a a lot of, a lot of people have been like, you know, I get so many comments on Instagram, like, you know, you can't do that. It's like, guys, I make my living in the outdoor space. I, 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 I can't, you know, I'm not going to get in trouble. One, I'm never unethical Two. Um, you know, I can't do that. And so Colorado has, you're right, has list A tags, has list B tags, and it has another series of tags that are con- that are called list C tags. Yeah. And list C tags are um basically they're sold unlimited in number, and you can buy as many as you want. So that's how I was able to that's how I was able to do that. Uh-huh. Um I was able to get those list C tags and you know. That was the plan. That's how we went. That's how kind of my wife and I decided on like, okay, this is how this is how we're going to hunt elk because I can do it really close to home. Um, you know, I can be back home. You know, most evenings I might stay out a night, maybe two at most, but then I can come back. I can bounce around to these different locations, and um, it was very challenging because I I have killed elk close to home. But it was always just kind of by happen chance, right? Like we're out calling coyotes or I'm out bow hunting antelope and I find a bull or something like that. I, I, I've had those things happen by happen chance. But this year it was like, okay, we can't have happen chance. We have to translate that into actually you are targeting elk in this specific area. And it is a super low population. It is a super low odds. I mean, people see the three bulls and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to you know, that's got to be like, I mean, no, I promise. Like <laughs> it is not like that at all. Um, and, and so, you know, but that's, that's how I had to go about it this year. You know, it, it forced me to make a change and kind of step outside my norm. Um, because I promise you, if it was something easy like that, well, I just, you know, I kill two or three bulls every year, you know, and obviously I don't do that. Um, and, and still I would, you know, I would prefer going to my mountain units and, and doing those things, but, you know, this is, this was the path I had to take this year. And it just, you know, this is just one of those deals where the stars aligned and, and I put in a lot of work. I put in a ton of time e-scouting. I put in a ton of time covering country on horseback, on foot, um, in my truck and just bouncing around to find pockets. And then it was like, okay, I'm kind of piecing together a little bit of a puzzle here. And I was able to, I was able to be successful, man. You were successful for sure. And now with the C tags though, that's not for every unit for the listeners out it's there. It's not. No, 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 no. Um, it's just for a, you know, it's a handful of units in different areas of the state. Yeah, man, that's, and that, and see, and that's where I'm glad that states have things like that because, you know, you, people run into things in life, life happens. And, uh, uh definitely, you know, the fact that they, uh, had that there for you so you could take, opportunity with it and run with it and still do your job to provide for your family is what's pretty dang awesome. And so 
I want to dive into the stories of these elk, man. Like, don't mm-hmm. don't do not tell us units or none of that good stuff. You know the right, game. right, right. You know the game, <laughs> but uh, dude, I mean, you you start to put the puzzle pieces together, and mm-hmm. I mean, how did it all go down? I mean, you're rifle hunting, correct? Yeah, that was so. That was another thing that was a big change for me this year because. You know, you know, traditionally I'm, I'm uh, traditionally I'm a bow hunter. Like that's, that's kind of my bread and butter. I guess if people would say I was known for something like, you know, um, that would be, it would be kind of on the bow hunting side of things. Yeah. So that was a, an added challenge in itself because I would consider this like, you know, I cut my teeth rifle hunting when I was 18 years old, um, going to the mountains. But then when I found the bow, um, it, it had been so many years. Like I would consider this, like, I, I, I think I said something on social the other day. Like I would, I would really consider this like my rookie season of rifle hunting. And with that also came a huge learning curve. Um, so yeah, it, it was with a rifle, but like, I had to look at things too, from a different perspective, as far as this units that I'm hunting, like, you know, long range shots are, 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 are the norm. It's, it's not you know, it's not really conducive to bow hunting. It's not, I mean, you're, you long range shots are the norm. So I had to kind of dive into that long range game. I had to get, um, a rifle, um, that I could get comfortable with, you know, ahead of time and run lots of rounds through and figure out and understand, you know, um, using how, how to use, uh, the, the, the CDS style or CDS style on my loophole scope effectively and getting that dial set and all the things that, that like, you know, you, you take for granted or people are, people are always just like, well, you got a rifle. It's the easiest thing in the world. And, and, and for me, it was like, it was like a huge learning curve, yeah. you know, um, going about it with that weapon. So that was, that was super cool, man. I mean, that was just an awesome, um, that was fun for me because it was like unraveling a new challenge there as well. Not just, you know, harvesting an elk, but getting my rifle dialed, um, you know, figuring out which caliber I wanted to go with, figuring out, you know, all those different things. And then, you know, just because a rifle will perform at extended ranges doesn't mean that you will. So, you know, I think there's this stigma. It's like, well, you know, turn the dial, put the crosshairs on them and shoot, but like, you know, your windage and, and, and so many different things come, come into play. So I went at it like I would when I went bow with bow hunting, like bow hunting, you know, I shoot every single day and I kind of took that approach with my rifle. Like I burned through a ton of ammunition, you know, ringing steel, grouping shots, doing these different things in extended ranges. So that I, so I knew in my mind, like I was confident that if I had a bull out there at 400 yards or a little further than 400, I I didn't, I still don't feel much confident over 500. Um, but that was just, you know, I took that mindset into it. Like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I don't want it to be by happen chance. I want it to be just like when I execute a really good bow shot. And I'm like, okay, that arrow hit exactly where it was supposed to. I did my job. I performed. I wanted to take that mindset into hunting with a rifle. Man, I am right there in the same shoes with you because, you know, like, uh, similar situation. I grew up in Texas, rifle hunting, found a bow at a younger age and got into bow hunting, but didn't really cut my teeth with archery and, until I managed an archery shop. And I'm actually fixing to be up in your neck of the woods uh, this time next week for second rifle season for elk. Love that. And um, dude, 
getting a rifle. I'm shooting a 28 Nosler, one of the new Savage rifles, and okay. uh, shooting that thing out past 300 yards, it's intimidating, especially like depending on what your <laughs> scope reticle is. Like uh, mine's mil dot, right? Like it's not MOA. Okay. And so me like having to take the archery mind that we have and switch it to relearn something or learn something oh. new and do that. Like it was intimidating at first, but now like, you know, like you said, like you got to get comfortable shooting out at three, four 500 yards. Um, so it's, it, I feel like a fish out of water. I will tell you that. Uh, I, I did, man. I, I even, I, I had a super embarrassing moment. This is how far removed to some degree I was like, um, I was, I was, I was sighting in my rifle and, um, and, and I just kept, you know, as I'm zeroing it, I'm getting further and further and further left. And I'm like, why, why is this is impossible? I'm doing everything. I mean, how can it get further left? Well, my mindset was follow my arrow. Follow my arrow. And dude, I mean, I was literally sitting there and. Buddy was finally, you know, he was, he, he wasn't paying attention. You know, he's just like, man, I don't understand this. You look good. The squeeze looks good. You're, you're on a bench. Everything looks fine. He's like, it's gotta be the gun or it's gotta be the scope. And, and he's like, well, so move it again. And so I went to move it and he's like, dude, you're going the wrong way. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, no, you are. <laughs> and so just something as simple as that, right? Like that was really frustrating. And then to, to, to just, you know, I'm so used to dialing in my bow and, you know, following my arrow, you know, if you're hitting left, you know, you move left and you, you follow your arrow. And so it was just, it was just different. Yeah. I uh, actually caught myself doing the same thing, man. I was, uh, were you setting your zero, uh, at 200 or a hundred? So with that, with that CVS, what I did was I zeroed at a hundred and then, um, I actually didn't have time to take my turret and send it into loophole. And I didn't do the chrono test and do all that stuff mm -hmm. um, because it's, it was just a time sensitive issue for me. So what I did was I zeroed it at a hundred and then I just used the CDS system, but I developed basically like an old school dope card for myself. Yeah. So I knew that if it was 200, it's this many clicks. If it's 300, it's this many clicks. And you know, that CDS dial is, is numbered anyway, even the generic one that comes with the scope. So I was able to like, you know, write down like, you know, 300 yards is 2.2 on the, on the dial. And yeah. then I just had that dope card so that I could. And that's another reason I shot so much because I wanted to continue to confirm that those distances were perfect. And then I wanted to confirm the distances in between. So, you know, after I found like, after I got out past like 350, man, you know, there was less margin for error because your bullet is dropping so much. So mm -hmm. I really wanted to get those in between ranges between 300 and 400. You know, I didn't want to just go, well, I'm going to hold a little higher. You know, I've always been very much about precision. And so I wanted to continue to do that. So, you know, like I said, man, I, I, I burned a lot of ammo. <laughs> I am not a, I'm not a, uh, Afraid to admit that I have done the same, man. Like, I think I've burned through three and a half boxes. I got three still left. Right, um, right. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a different ball game. Like, I, I've done the same thing. Like, I, I set my zero at 200, and then mm -hmm. based off of ballistics and, you know, I take, I put it in a ballistic uh, 
calculator and everything, I was able to help develop a dope chart from that and then just yep. kind of fine tuning it from there. But man, like it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to switch gears when you've done archery for so much for so long. It really is. It is. But I, I'm, ex <laughs> I'm excited to get out there and chase after some elk. We're going second season over the counter DIY. Um, and you want, you want to know what the most frustrating thing has been about, uh, trying to film a hunt in Colorado. The permits film permits, dude. <laughs> I know, man. It's frustrating as all get out, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Like, I get why they do it, right? I, I get right. They're, they're trying to for the people that are wanting to go out there and film a Yellowstone episode, right? Um, mm -hmm. I get it. You got crews and all this crazy things. I understand it. I feel like a film permit is necessary in in an instance like that. But for the guys like us that we're gonna go out and just film a hunting show with one camera guy and maybe one or two other people in camp, come on, don't make us do all this. It's it's. It's a lot of hoops to jump through, man. It's it's a really a lot of hoops to jump through. And it's it's always been that way, you know, um, pretty much in Colorado for as long as I can remember. But, you know, talk about going down a rabbit hole, man. We, we could go down an entire rabbit hole about how, how off the rails I feel like this state is going in terms of being there for the hunter and for being about true wildlife management. Yeah. I mean, we're, we have people making decisions about our wildlife that are anti hunters. Um, and that's terrifying. Like people oh, yeah. need to know that. And I've been saying that on every podcast, like, you know, we sit back and go, you know, I don't really need to pay attention to this. It's always going to be okay. And man, right now I'm telling you that this state is going to be under severe. It, it, it's, it's, it's under severe attack. And, and, and that's, that's a trend I see getting infinitely worse and and not better unless people really start stepping up and understanding what's going on well as soon as uh people start getting attacked by wolves and uh yeah. more cattle starts dying and and people's animals start getting eaten by wolves uh, i think there might be a little bit of a reversal there in a few years hope potentially well i think so man and it, you know one thing that colorado is so proud of and they should be is how well we've done with our moose population. Yeah. Our, our moose population is incredible. And we have some slammer bulls in multiple units, mm -hmm. right? Across the whole state. Well, that that's a that's a wolf's number one. That's what they are going to go after first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are going to go after the moose, man. And then when you stack in the fact that there could be, you know, and I want to preface could be something on the ballot that eliminates. The hunting of mountain lions, bobcats, um, you know, predator control is so, so, so important. And, you know, we're looking at it, you know, I'm going to say we're looking at it. Certain people within the state are looking at it as like, you know, well, they're regal and they're beautiful and we just don't want to, you know, but the, they have to be controlled. The wildlife has to be managed. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the wildlife model has proved that. And when you have people making decisions that shouldn't be that have no idea about wildlife, that have no idea about conservation, that have no idea about hunting uh, or the tradition and, and how deep rooted it is, man, there's, there's, there's problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is it? Uh, where was there? There was a recent grizzly bear attack and I can't remember where it was, but it was in a, I think it was in a state or it might've even been in Alberta um, where I think the same measures have been taken. I'll have to find the article mm -hmm. to, to, to verify this information, but, uh, 
I think like the same thought process was thrown towards predators in. Now they have themselves a grizzly problem, basically. Yeah, lots of states do, man. And 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 it's just one of those things. It's just they they predators have to be controlled. Wildlife has to be managed. Mm-hmm. They do, man. Otherwise, may not get to find Jace Bowserman killing three elk again. But uh right, anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So talk 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 to us through it all I'm assuming you were in the same unit or close to same areas where all three were killed or. Um, I was actually spread out quite a little bit across several, several of these types of units, but, but not, not terribly spread out, you know, Um, but that's the thing about these elk is they're the, the population is so low. The herd is so, so, you know, sparse. And, and Mm -hmm. so, for me, what it be, for me when I decided like okay, this is what I got to do. This is this is how I'm going to go about this. Um, the the advantage to me is I know this country extremely well. Um, and then what I started to really piece together was like okay, here in my neck of the woods during the month of September, hundred degree days are not uncommon. No, ninety degree days are the norm, right? So you're looking at a big animal, and you know, food is not a problem. Because uh, I think that's why these elk love it here um, once they get here is because, you know, it, they've got tons and tons of, you know, the, the grasses are are, are, are substantial. Um, the, 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 the factor that, that, that I wanted to pay attention to is water is scarce. Um, water is spotty. And so, you know, here we don't get you know, it's very rare for us to get a rain that blankets this area of the state. And we get, you know, those two to three inch rains where it's like every farmer got it. Every rancher got it. Everybody's wet. We'll get a thunderstorm that, you know, drops two and a half inches in a very small area. So for me, what I started doing was I, like, I always joked with my wife that I wanted to be a meteorologist um, because I'm just fascinated by the weather. So you know, I downloaded, you know, some, some different weather apps and, 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 and then of course, like, you know, people don't understand like how effective using hunt stand is for e-scouting and things like that. You know, it, it, it just, what I started to do was I started to just tr- chase rain. I mean, that's really what I did. I was a storm chaser. I wanted to know which areas got the most significant rainfall because that does two things. One, it it fills pond water. And if if you can find an area with pond water and then you can find an area, you know, if that area has a pocket of cover and, and it doesn't have to be much, it is, like if it has a pocket of cover and that new growth will be green, um, these elk, elk are great travelers. I mean, everybody knows that elk are, it's nothing for an elk to go 30 miles a night to just stand up and go boom. And I feel like these animals, since these storms, I feel like they can smell the water, they can smell the green grass, and they go to those locations. So for me, that's what, that's that's how I went about it. I had no idea if it was going to work or not, but I was like, okay, I have to find something that I can use that mentally more than anything, because otherwise you're just roaming around, you know, for days and days and days and days and days and not seeing a track, not seeing an elk, that sort of thing. You have to find where those elk want to be. And that's how I, that's, that's how I went about it. And as it turned out, it was a pretty solid plan. Heck yeah, man. How, how far were a lot of your, or your three shots? How far did you have to shoot? Okay. So the first bull, um, 
The first bull was 364, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second bull was 470. And my last bull was 352. And you were hunting in some of that open sage juniper country, right? (laughs) Very open, like super open. And that's where the long range game, you know, comes into play because hunting very, 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 very open areas. Um, so yeah, it, you know, that was, that was kind of my, that was kind of my plan of attack. And, you know, these areas, people don't understand, like they get heavy pressure Mm -hmm. because people see that like, you know, it's no secret. It's like, Oh, it's a list C tag. I can go there. I can go try it, you know, but the good thing is they get burnt out pretty quickly because they get here and they're like, Oh my gosh, what am I hunting? This is not elk habitat. And it's, it's not your traditional elk habitat. So, you know, finding ways to navigate that system, um, is, you know, so yeah, like, I mean, pressure was, you know, early I had, you know, every gate I went in had tire tracks, there was boot tracks, there was lots of, you know, but like I said, I used a combination of my, my feet, um, my truck and my animals and, you know, those types of things, you know, I was able to, access areas, you know, that were well, well, well beyond where someone could drive. And, um, you know, that was, that was helpful as well. Heck yeah. And I really loved what you talked about, about chasing the rain and right? it, like that doesn't even necessarily have to apply to elk. Like that can apply to, you know, your pronghorn mule deer species. And Dude. that's, that's a key thing that I think a lot of people don't get as microscopic about their e-scouting as they could with something like that. I'm telling you, man, life needs water. Like it can't exist without water. And so as a pronghorn guy, you know, I kind of lived and died by water, um, you know, for years. And so I just took that same mindset and I went off the rails. Like anybody that knows me will, you know, will tell you like when I get into something, I obsess over it until it's almost you know, it's almost to the point where it's borderline psychotic. Um, and, and I know that, and my wife knows that, thank God. Um, and my kids know that. And, um, you know, I, I kept it pretty well in check because of everything that was going on, but like, you know, it was nothing for me in August, right? Like Mm -hmm. to track weather on my, on my apps and then, you know, translate that to, my, my hunt stand app where I'm targeting specific types of cover and that monthly satellite imagery dude is bomb. And then, you know, going and saying, okay, I'm going to drive out. Like there was no one driving out in August to go, you know, 80 miles or 90 miles or 120 miles or 230 miles round trip just to go out there and not look for elk, but to look for rain Yeah, to look and see like, okay, boom, this pond filled up. Okay, this draw ran water. Where does that water go? Okay, boom. My hunt stand app shows, bam, there's a pond at the head end of this draw. Good timber over here. It's north-facing timber. That's huge here because it does get so scorching hot. Elk can find sanctuary here. They can find shade here. There's good escape cover, um, good escape routes, those sorts of things. And that's how I pieced it together, man. I mean, truly, like, that's what I credit the success to. Man, that's that's a key thing. That's a key thing that I hope a lot of the listeners pick up on. Uh, yeah, for sure. How many freezers did you have to buy now? Mm. <laughs> well, 
you know, of course you get that too. Like how many out can you eat? And it's like, okay, family of five. Right. Um, oh yeah. And uh, a boy that's a senior and, and just a hoss then. And, and then, you know, I, I coach here, um, I, I coach high school basketball. And so like our house, when, when my wife and I bought our home, when we mm. finally were blessed enough to move out of town and come to the country and we bought this place, we like, we said that, you know, you know, we wanted it to be a place for it's open invite, right? Like for, for kids, like, is nothing for me to come home and see six football boys sitting there with Hunter around the table, you know, waiting for dinner. <laughs> it's just, you know, and so like the amount of burger we go through and the amount of steaks and, you know, family dinners and things like that. It's like, I think that's where it gets overlooked to like, like hunting is a, like, it's a deep, rich, awesome, beautiful heritage. <laughs> and those just having 10 or 15 people over for elk steaks, man. And, and burgers and stuff like that. It's just, it's such a rewarding thing for me at the end of the day. And then being able to go like, um, my father-in-law this year, he, he's not, he wasn't able to hunt. He's, he loves to hunt elk, but he wasn't able to go this year. Um, and so like, you know, they're here quite often. They make the trip from Grand Junction a lot, which is like a seven hour drive, but they come to see Abby and help us out. And so like, I'm able to fill a Yeti, you know, with me and send that home with them knowing that like, okay, I paid for the processing. I did all this here. You know, if somebody here needs meat, like they know, like, okay, Jason will bring over some hamburger or something like that. So, you know, um, luckily we have lots of freezers. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I think that's something that I've really enjoyed is just like, there's nothing better. Um, I found two meats that I enjoy more than elk truly enjoy more than elk i have a um, feeling I, axis. I was about to say i feel like i know which one of those it is axis is what beef should taste like and 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 sheep uh rocky mountain bighorn sheep and and i won't be eating that again anytime soon because that that ram's been consumed but Ooh. like dude that those two meats like trump elk for me but there's nothing better than an elk burger or an elk backstrap, or there's so many things and we use it in everything. We use it in spaghettis. We use it in taco meat. If, if we, if we have hamburger in something, it's elk or, you know, or deer or something like that. And, and so like that, that, that portion has just been super, super rewarding. Heck yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's why we do it. I mean, my wife with some of the hunts we have lined up this year, I, I could potentially bring home more meat than I, I ever have before. I mean, uh, right. just with everything that's lined up. So I'm like, well, we're probably going to get another freezer, which I'm okay with that. And then I said, of course, you know, we'll share with family and friends. I mean, that's why I do it. But uh, I do have a question for you, like on your uh, your ground elk. Is it pure elk or do you do any kind of uh, pork fat or beef fat mixture in with that? Like, what do you we do? Mix it with, we mix it with beef fat. Okay. Um, I do like to mix it with beef fat, beef fat it just helps to hold together yeah. um, when you're making those burgers and stuff. Um, and I just think it kind of enhances the flavor a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like these, these three bowls, like you won't find better eating. I mean, they're, they're just crushing like blue grama grass and, um, um, not blue grama grass, grama grass and blue stem and some of these other, some of these other grasses that they can just, I mean, they can just munch on these things and, you know, we'll have issues where these elk will move into cornfields and stuff Ooh. and, you know, just absolutely. So like everybody wants a corn fed white tail, well, white tail, like 
corn fed elk doesn't suck either, you know, so no, <laughs> it's just one of those deals where none of these bulls were anywhere near a uh, cornfield, but uh, we do have it happen. Like we, we do get that from time to time, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's just uh, like you said, it's, 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 it's why we do it. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I like horns. I do. I'm not, I would never apologize for that. Like I'm infatuated with, with headgear, I think it's awesome. I think oh, yeah. that adds to the enjoyment of it. But like just providing meat and having meat at your disposal, no matter what, you know that that you know where it came from, you know everything about it. It's just uh it's 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 rewarding for sure. Yeah. Well, man, I, I know we're getting uh, short on time here. So one of the last things I want to ask you, it doesn't necessarily pertain to hunting, but when you find yourself, you know, I Hopefully, if somebody out there is maybe struggling through something similar with a family member or maybe even it's themselves, you know, kind of like how you have with your daughter and your back issues that you did over the past, you know, year or so that you, you know, obviously your daughter's uh, condition that's happened fairly recent, but everything else like with your back, I mean, how and what do you have to say to that person so that they can essentially find lightness through or find the light in the struggle basically yeah man and 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 you know one of the for me <laughs> it is my deep-rooted faith like Big that's time. number one like i i couldn't go through this without my deep-rooted faith like i have been able to take any situation um any, any situation at all truly and i'm not saying it's not hard Right. Like, cause it is hard and it does suck. And it, and you look at it and it's not fair. Um, but when you look at it and you say, you know what, God's in control. I, I'm not, this mm -hmm. is what, this is the cards I was dealt. This is what happened. Um, I don't know why it happened. He does. And when you're able to just unload that weight for me, I can just unload that all on him and I can go, you know what, man, I'm not, I'm not because that that takes my focus away from the one. I mean, and I hate to say whining, right? Because yeah. I whine. I mean, I'm human, but it, it, it gosh, it takes my it, it allows me to unload my burden on him and go, God, this is too much. I don't know why this is happening. You do. So I'm giving it all to you because I fully and completely trust your plan. And that takes that burden off. And that allows me to become laser focused on strategies for how to make it better and not sit there in my self-pity and piss and moan yep. and whine about it. Because I, I tell my basketball boys all the time, uh, <laughs> you know, can't, can't is just, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but like when you start throwing that around, you know, can't never could and want never did. That's what I like to say. I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of my deal. Can't never could do anything. And wanting something is great. Wanting a problem to go away. Wanting to get better at something is great. But want never did. There has to be an element that translates your thinking to go, you know what? I will not take this lying down. I will not succumb to this. I will not give in. I've given it to God. Now I focus on just oh, whatever I have to do to grind my way through this and find the good in it and the positive in it. And that is more than anything. If anybody's hearing it, that's like my story of this fall, because I mean, selfishly, right? Like how selfish, like as Abby was going through this selfishly in my mind, I'm going, well, my hunting season is 
is in trouble. And that's honestly, that's super selfish, right? And it would be extremely selfish if it wasn't how we made our income. No. No. And I guess that's my justification for it a little bit, but it's still selfish, man. My daughter's going through all this and I'm wondering how, but like, I just had to find a way. I just had to find a way through. I just had to revamp and stop and clear my plate and go, God, here's this all, you know, you're in control of all of it, but I, I can focus on this now and finding my way through. So, you know, there's just, there's so much, like, there's just so much that's always going on, you know, and it's, it's been a crazy year. Like my daughter went through that. My son in his first football game, he's a senior, just first football game in, 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 in August. Um, you know, he's being recruited by several colleges. He's, he's a stud. I mean, he really is love him to death. And first play of the third quarter, boom, breaks his collarbone. <sighs> um, he's out for six weeks yep. and medical bills continue, you know, to pile up. And that was, you know, when we were started this podcast, nobody probably, you know, nobody got to hear it, but my wife called and I hear you probably heard me say, oh, it's broken. Great. He broke his thumb this week mm. and we just found that out. So it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where you could just go, why me? Why is this all falling on me? Why is this compiling on me? I don't know. No, I don't know. It's not my job to know it's my job to accept it and, and, and move through it as positive as possible. That's, That's true. Long man. Answer, but I'm super passionate about that. <laughs> well, man, it's just like, um, I mean, myself, I've found myself like it's, it's all deep rooted in faith because I mean, just with this film permit, like last Friday, um, it was just a, it's funny now, but you know, essentially the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing with, uh, the national forest service. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> found that out Friday midday. And man, I got pissed. I was mad. I was angry. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, man, screw this elk hunt. I don't want to do this anymore. If this is what I have to go through to kill a dang elk for, for work. And I was like, man, big man upstairs has it. Uh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, uh, I'll figure out what plan B is here. Friday, right. I guess, if that happens, right? right? And you know, yeah. and it's just like domino effect. Get a call from National Forest Service yesterday. Oh, or you know, we we can't po uh, process payment right now because the entire system across the nation is down. I'm like, so I'm approved. Well, no, you're not approved. You're not approved until we sign and you pay. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I'm just like, big man, you got it, dude. You got it. Yep. Then you have to because what do you you know what do you do? There's yeah. nothing you can do. You can get mad and like I said, you can piss and moan about it, but that'll do nobody any good. And, and, uh, you know, negativity breeds negativity. So like yes. when you just find that positive aura and you can just ride that and, and, and I'm not saying you, you, you don't, you know, can't get bucked off of it because I definitely do. Oh yeah. It happens to myself too, but like, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's life. It makes such a big difference. Yeah. It's, it's just life, man. And life, life is just, uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting go around, but it's certainly a gift. Yeah. It's like, uh, I forget what her name is. She said, I saw something on socials the other day and it's like, life's tough, man. Get a helmet. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was, I uh, love that. That's Candace. Candace uh, that Owens. Candace Owens. Candace Owens. Dude, She's like, I don't know, man. Life's tough. Wear a helmet. I'm too pregnant for this. Yes. Like, loved it. But it's so true. It is. Right. It's like, I, I just, it's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Get a helmet. You know? Get a helmet, man. Buckle up. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. What do you want me to say? Yeah. 
Well, Jace, man, love talking with you, getting you on the podcast, talk about the success that you have found this fall and just gritting it through um, some tough times. So really uh, kudos to you on, man, just taking care of your family and still being able to provide for them and not only provide for them, but uh, do it in a really awesome way. All right, y'all, there you go. Hopefully from today's episode, you were able to take note of some of the things that Jace talked about. You know, when you get faced with adversity, it's really learning to keep your head up and make the best of any situation. And he did exactly that, you know, especially with everything that he was faced with his daughter and his back issues. And God knows what else that man may have dealt with. I mean, we all have things that we fight, deal, struggle with, and uh, may not know everything. So there's no telling what somebody's always going through but to see what he did faced adversity and was able to still do his job and provide for his family and get three bulls on the ground in addition to a couple pronghorn it's a pretty amazing feat and that's uh, not something you see every day so again y'all just want to thank you for tuning into the hunt stand podcast we greatly appreciate the support make sure you rate review subscribe on whatever platform you are on the support that we get from y'all is awesome to see if you got an idea for a podcast or you want something that you want me to talk about send me an email will at huntstand.com and if you haven't yet make sure you got the huntstand app downloaded we've got three different tiers we've got the free version we've got pro if you want to unlock a few more features and if you want to unlock all the tools of huntstand upgrade to pro white till today we've got whitetail season here november is nearly here we love it we love to chase these deer in the rut and you want to make sure you have hunt stand pro whitetail in your pocket thanks again for tuning in this week's episode hunt stand podcast and we'll see you on the next one